I've started buying some some pop that's zero sugar. Like they have a couple different like Dr Pepper that I like a regular Dr Pepper. I got the uh, Dr Pepper cream soda. They they have a zero sugar for that now. Which I mean, it's not the same. The other like regular with sugar still tastes better, but I think it's pretty damn close. It's it's enough to yeah. be like okay, if I need something, this is this is what I'm gonna drink. I'll tell you right now where you'll notice zero difference at all. Right there. Ginger ale. <laughs> there is no difference in ginger ale with sugar and ginger ale without. It's a nice soda to have with, you know, no no caffeine, no sugar, and you can just kind of not worry about either of those things. I also like ginger ale a lot more. Some people go for root beer more. I go for ginger ale more. Yeah, I can't say ginger ale is like near the top of my list for pop-type beverages. I'd probably take a ginger ale before a root beer ahead of both of those, though, is like a really good craft cream soda. Oh, cream soda's amazing. That That's the top of the list, yes. But that's also probably like the most sugary it gets. I feel like, Josh, you should be the, the like craft cream soda contessor with all of your yeah. bottles of pop. <laughs> to the, I get this point in my life for several years. I just don't really like root beer. That's fair. anymore like it's kind of on the i don't like list <laughs> um like there's there's stuff i avoid or i don't prefer i don't really think i like root beer anymore but it's like i just um, picture josh with his physical list somewhere like a blackboard <laughs> like okay well we're moving this one over to this side now everything in my life gets power rankings <laughs> i feel like the next time we like have a get together of some kind i'm i'm just gonna be be like no i got the drinks guys and i'm gonna bring a cooler it's going to be grape it, soda, orange soda, and Cherokee I, Red. <laughs> but I was going to say, there's going to be Cherokee Red. There's going to be some Squirt. There's going to be some RC Cola. There's going to be a couple tabs. There's going to be just this random assortment of shit that you're like, oh, now I don't know what to grab. Mr. Pib. Yeah, find some Pib. Fucking egg. Fago. Might as well throw some Huggies in there, too. Not what really? the hell? <laughs> just throw, throw them in the cooler. <laughs> and Mike, with what you were describing of, like, bringing like a, a, a menu and like a curated selection I'm thinking like you take the next step and bring a couple paddle boards and you start putting together like uh drink flights oh, for people <laughs> soda pour, pour out a couple couple glasses you know what I I like this idea <laughs> I like this idea of a soda so this plate. is right up my wheelhouse this... <laughs> at this point I feel like I don't even know like it probably doesn't even matter what the gathering would be for at this point it's specifically for flights of pop. Like, we're all just going to be sick by the end of this night just because we're going to be trying so much different shit. That, that was going to be my suggestion is in, instead of having a gathering for something else, why don't we just have the nostalgic and rare snack and pop night? So not just have it not just be pop, but also snacks that fit that, you know, things like that you remember that it maybe are hard to find now. The only issue you get into with snacks, and, and I guess you could fall into this with Well, you have to pair sodas, them well with but... the pop. Like, you can't. Oh, you have a pairing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like but, a wine and cheese, but like <laughs> really crappy snacks. And <laughs> it's it's going to be us whenever we plan this party with all the snacks and pop we'll be drinking. <laughs> we'll be running laps around the house by the end of it. I would say we, we need to have some sort of like something to burn off the energy while we're doing it, you know? We'll have to exercise in between all the snacks that we're no, eating. No, no, no. I mean, I mean like have like cornhole in the yard or something. Something. It doesn't have to be like running around the neighborhood <laughs> it can be something as simple we're as gonna just... go streaking <laughs> <laughs> we're meeting through the quad
Hello and welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and the Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Libby. Joining me for this episode is a white podcaster, Josh Zorch. Not inaccurate. <laughs> and also, we have another white podcaster, Mike Bradley. I'm terribly confused by the white podcaster thing. You're going to have to explain it. It's this. the play on the Black Falcon thing. It's the best I could do. Oh, <laughs> I, I didn't get it. I'm sorry. I... <laughs> I get it now. Yeah, I fit, you know, it's a it's a podcast full of white guys talking about Black Falcon, so it'll be great. So <laughs> we're talking about Captain America, sir. And, Fair and, and the Winter Soldier and the White yes. Wolf. We're all white as snow. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so for this episode, we are talking about the latest Marvel series on Disney Plus, which is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, the series just wrapped up its sixth and final episode. So as we promised, we're here to talk about it. Um, and since we will be talking about all six episodes of the show, I'm going to throw out the spoiler warning now before we get into anything else. So all spoilers and plot points are fair game from this point forward. If you are not caught up on the first six episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier, pause us now, come back after you've finished episode six. Unless, really, you don't care for spoilers. In that case, keep listening. Uh, either way, spoilers to follow. Wee-oo-wee-oo. Spoiler! Wee-oo-wee-oo. Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right, so now that we got that out of the way, I don't know if there's really much preamble preamble to really get through as far as the show. I feel like it's kind of just, it's over. Let's just, since we haven't talked about it really at all, let's kind of just dive in and see what we thought. So I guess just what did you think of the show generally before we get into some specific stuff? Uh, I mean, I'm, first of all, I'm excited to talk about it because we've been kind of holding this in for a while yeah. now trying to get to this episode so that we could finally... It was a different dynamic, I think, from like, you know, WandaVision. WandaVision was like, what the fuck is going on every week? Yeah. They, and this was just a good fucking show. Yeah. It, this was just start to finish. They didn't really play a whole lot of the what's going to happen game. You know, they threw down like the little bit of like seeds of like who's the power broker and all that stuff um, so that there was something to wonder what was going to be behind the scenes. But. The, I guess, surprises and whatnot that they threw in there weren't really, like, teased at or fully realized here in any way. They were just the start of something else, which I'll get to. But in terms of what I thought of the show, I really enjoyed it. Um, Wyatt, what's his last name? Or is it? Russell. Russell. He was fantastic. He, he did such a good job being this, like, it. Him as U.S. agent works so well, and he played this perfect, like, I'm I'm trying to think of a better way to put it other than noble douchebag, where he has all yeah, the right intentions, but he's just a jerk, you know, and misguided, and it, there's just so much, so many layers to how well he played that character, and... I guess, like, getting Anthony Mackie the amount of screen time that he gets here and letting him really take charge was awesome. He kills it. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I, you know, Sebastian Stan was good, as always. The dynamic with him and uh, Sam was great. You know, they were they have good comedic timing together. I think it works. Yes. Um, but yeah, like all around, excellent start to finish, in my opinion. Um, 
I'll, I'll stop there before I go down a rabbit hole of other <laughs> topics. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Um, I, I, I think to extend from the comment you made about it, obviously being a different animal than, than WandaVision was, um, I, I, coming off of, of that from, you know, a whole year, an, a, a year and a half of no MCU, you know, we got Spider-Man Far From Home, July 19, uh, 2019, and then, Jesus Christ, <laughs> it's been a long pandemic, um, <laughs> July 2019, and then we don't get WandaVision until January 2021, so we walk into WandaVision, and we already know in advance there had been enough marketing and press release about it that we kind of knew, at, at least at first, what the bones of the show was going to be the way that it would be presented to us the um the 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 framework that the story would exist in which is these tv shows throwback etc um and because of that we knew inherently that there was some mystery to solve there was something whether there was one thing or what ended up being like 11 that we weren't going to know that we needed to find out, we needed to understand why is this happening in the way that it is? What is the reason? Whether it's in Wanda's head, whether it's an outside influence, whether it's just something innocent that will be revealed by the end. There's a reason that we're watching WandaVision exist in this way. And as all those different pieces continue to pull back and interplay with each other, that's where the speculation grew. What can the details mean for the explanation that we still don't understand, that you really don't, that you're not really given until like the second to last episode? So coming into this, it's a very different dynamic where this was much more traditional style Marvel cinematic storytelling. It was just a longer form. Um, I really enjoyed what what they put out um i think to mike's point uh, or his comments um i i i feel like sebastian stan shined the most when he was partnered with somebody else to play off of um i don't think other uh, the and i can't remember the context and you guys can probably throw this out the one scene it might be in the last episode where Bucky just breaks down and he's, he's literally sobbing. The reason for that, like that was what I thought his finest scene was as Bucky, because everybody else you're, I think they relied very heavily on he's with Zemo, he's with Sam. And the reason that Bucky and the winter soldier are, I don't want to say like are interesting, but on his own, they never really developed Bucky in the previous movies for you to, to to know enough or care about him and his personality enough. Granted, I mean, his, his arc is very different from his origin to becoming the Winter Soldier to then Civil War and not being, you know, he doesn't feel safe in his own head. Then his time in both Infinity War and Endgame were very short. So I feel like they put themselves in this place over all these years with Bucky's storytelling. You don't 
really have a strong Bucky Barnes on his own. Except for those couple of scenes where he was very, I hate to say not, I hate to say vulnerable, but kind of. When you see him early on quasi courting the waitress or the bartender at the restaurant and, you know, they have a, they have dinner together or a drink or whatever. He's trying to interact with, um, you know, with the, with the old man who then you understand why he is towards the end. Like those were the best Bucky parts, I feel, because you finally got to learn who James Buchanan was. Yeah. Every other time it was unwinding the winter soldier or dealing with a side effect of him. Um, but other than that, I, I'd say Sam and, and Mike's right. I think Sam just blew it out of the water. Like Anthony Mackie, if, if you're going to transition and you're going to start putting Anthony Mackie as Captain America on your marketing materials and your toys, and it is no longer Sam Wilson, the Falcon sidekick of Captain America. He is Captain America from this point forward. You have to do what they gave him to do. And he did a great job with it. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, like, overall, I freaking love this show. I, I, it, it, like we said, it's sort of much more traditional storytelling of just, like, giving you a story and presenting it. And, and a lot less of, like, what's the mystery and what the hell's, I mean, there's still a little bit about that, but nothing in, no, no way comparable to what WandaVision was. Um, so this was <clears throat> really a fun thing to watch just week to week. Um, I agree with what these guys said. I think the, the interaction and dynamic between Sam and Bucky, like Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan is fucking fantastic. Um, I appreciate that. And I think maybe sort of what Josh was saying too, is that the, the, is these guys in other movies as the supporting characters, they don't really get time to shine because it's the other people's movies. Something like this finally gives us a chance to get in the heads of these characters and figure out how they tick and what goes on and, and really, really get to know them a little bit more, which we didn't get in the movie. So this is, it's a great way to do this. Cause I don't even think even if we got a two hour movie that we'd really get us that deep of a sense of these characters, even if these two were the leads, I still think this is the better way to dive into these characters. And I really, really appreciated that. Um, I think it's nice that this, that both of these series, really, WandaVision did it too, um, seeing the consequences of the blip as a constant thing that the world is still dealing with, because Far From Home plays it up like a joke and everything's fine. This is These are real-world consequences to what is happening from this huge catastrophic event, and I like seeing the ripple effects from that and how the MCU grows and continues to try to figure out what to do after fucking people disappeared for five years. Like, that's a real fucking problem. Um, and then just as far as like creatives behind the show, I feel like I need to give a shout out for the director of all six episodes, who is Carrie Scogland, um, and the showrunner and head writer, Malcolm Spellman, the writing, I think especially stood out to me in the show. I thought it was fantastic. And I mean, on top of the action, there was some great like movie quality shots in this show. The, I mean, the one that comes to mind for me is just John Walker holding the bloody shield is such a striking image. And that's the one that sticks with me the most out of this entire show. It's very easily a splash page from a comic. It's not, yeah. but it very easily could be. Yes. Um, now, I think most of what I sort of, what I framed sort of our, our talking points around was basically going by character, character and talking about 
them specifically and maybe their arcs or something like that. So I don't know if there's something else that you guys want to touch on because I'm just I'd just be going the character to character. And like, um, so if there's something else we want to touch on, we can try to dive into that before we get there. In terms of writing, um, which you just mentioned, the speech that Sam gives at the end of the series. He's there. He's in his Captain America uniform now. He's saved the day, and he's talking to the world leaders. It was powerful. It was well-written. It was well thought out, and it was making a very clear point in what it was trying to yes. say. And his delivery was fantastic. But he didn't, as far as I know, write it. Um, and the credit on that writing, 100%, I'm with you on that. Um, some characters, I, I, I feel like there was um, a, a bit to this whole show. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Um, where the Flag Smashers were kind of smashed into the show um, without plan. Okay. Um, where originally the show uh, was planned around a global pandemic actually happening. Well, and, I did sort of hear a little bit about that, but I didn't and, dive into what the details were. Right. Like when 2020 happened and all that, they nixed that idea and had to rewrite the idea of what was going to go on um i guess behind the scenes of everything else yeah and they went with the flag smashers which worked out okay i feel like i i, I liked what they did um i feel like they were well portrayed as misguided people that have this really noble goal in mind that don't know how to get there yeah, they're doing everything. They right reasons. Yeah, they're doing the right reasons, but the wrong way. Yeah, it, it, they, their goal is a great goal, and they just don't know how to kick the ball. So they're in a strange spot, and I feel like they were well portrayed for the most part. Um, I can't think of like any outstanding bad performances among them. Um, I feel like the girl who played Carly did good enough. Um, I didn't feel like she had any outstanding performance that I was impressed by, you know, wholly, uh, but she didn't do bad either. You know what I mean? Like it's a kind of a middle of the road sort of thing, but, um, it, it subverted my expectations for what to expect from them in the early season. Cause early season, you know I mean? It was it the end of the first episode or second episode where they said they were going to go talk to Zemo. Second. End of the second. And right then I'm like, oh, there we go. He's going to be behind the Flag Smashers. It, you know, like, so, he's going to be behind this in some way. And then you get more and more info and you're completely way off. Well, I think even just, like, hearing the cast list, like, you heard Sharon Carter was coming back, you heard Zemo was coming back, and you're like, okay, Zemo's the bad guy, hands down. He's got to be the one that they got to deal with in the show because he's coming back as the bad guy. Yeah. So I did, that was a nice surprise, I guess, is that he wasn't necessarily behind it, still worked into the story. He was chaotic neutral. his own neutral. shit going on. It, like, What's he that? He was a chaotic neutral character. Yes, yeah. In this case. Um... You know, like it, for me, the the trailer spoiled his return, and I'm sorry that he didn't wear the mask more. He put the mask on for that yes. one short bit, and I was like, "Oh, here we go. He's gonna go. He's gonna go Zemo. We're gonna get." And then all of a sudden, he's back to normal, and I'm like, 
Honestly, Aww. it was so fleeting that by the time the series was over, I had to second guess myself. Like, wait, did he wear the mask or did he not? <laughs> I feel like I remember seeing promo with him, but did I watch the episode with it? But uh, yeah, I had to be reminded. That, yes, he did wear the mask. Yeah. It was it happened. Yeah, it was one short bit, and it, that was disappointing to me. But it means we may see it more. They didn't write Zemo out of any storylines here. He is still very much out there. And, I mean, I guess he's in the raft at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Still still unsure why he didn't just go to a Wakandan prison, but I guess the raft is more, uh, they, like, somewhere you can actually break out. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we've seen Steve break people out of the raft already <laughs> on screen. Yeah. I don't think anybody's getting out of Wakanda. I think that's a much yeah. more secure thing. Well, so that might serve two two functions. Number one, to the end that you just said, if they put him in a Wakandan prison, you're probably never getting him out. So they do give you this story possibility where there's a vulnerability in which he could be sprung. But I actually thought that that was a really strong move for the writers to give Wakanda. You know, they've been waiting to get this guy for seven eight years you know the five years of the blip and then however long between civil war and uh the the, the snap yeah you know, so they're they're waiting for all that time they could kill him on the spot they could take him to a jail and do whatever they want to him in their own country but what do they do they continue to act as part of the international community and the international community has said this is what we're going to do with people like this. We will handle it. We'll process, et cetera. And, and they allow him to be part of that system that they opened up to. And speaking on those terms, we're pretty much under the understanding that uh, Winter Soldier's contact here would have been T'Challa uh, in, in an original plan. It would have been Black Panther that meets him in the alleyway, not one of the Dora Milaje. I can't remember her name. Um, uh, yeah, um, that's a possibility. You 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 think they may have um, uh, a a a o a o a or i o a a y o is her name. Um, I, I would assume they, they had to call the audible Chadwick on that. Back for that, I I would think so. I feel I like it's too he... big of a name for this show. Like I feel like you put. Chadwick and T'Challa in this show and it distracts from Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like that's well, a cameo. Well, they were background that... though. Right, the Dora Milaje was. I don't I think I'm saying think... Chadwick would be thrust to the forefront even in a supporting role if he showed up in this show. I think a okay, good I moment Mike, I think he could have just Mike... been showed up there and then Medora played the rest of the show. Like where he showed I, see, up and know... talked to him and then the I don't Dora know if took he's the one. There. See, I if you do that though, then the whole rest of the show, you're just wondering, wait, if the Black Panther could be here, he has the time, he knows right. where the guy he wants is. He He's made the initial contact that they've shown us. Why then send his guard? I think where you could put him, though, is in the scene where they arrest him. Because T'Challa effectively was the one who brought him in the first time. Right. And said... You know, I'm going to spare you, but the rest of the world is not done with you. And he could be the one there to kind of do it again at the memorial. True. Okay. It would be interesting to see how that would have played out. I'm sad that mm -hmm. we can't, obviously, but that's 
another story. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the future potential and I honestly think this may not be the only season of this that we get before we move on to characters. I think there's more seasons to this. I think our continuation of agent 13, Sharon Carter, whatever you want to call her, her story, um, will continue with that or her own show, perhaps, um, to be determined. I have a theory where she might end up with, but we'll get there later. Okay. I'm definitely down for that. But I, I think there's a lot of possibilities for the future of this, whereas WandaVision was definitely this like one-shot, one-off kind of thing, and I think Loki's the same way, where I don't see there being a Loki season two, even without having seen it. I feel like Lo- if Loki's playing around with like other universes and stuff, I feel like that gives him free reign to do whatever the fuck he wants to and can last as long as that series wants to, having no effect on anything else. Oh, perhaps, yeah, I didn't think of it that way, I I feel like it's all gonna, I I still feel like what he's doing is going to matter. I don't think they're giving Loki a show where none of this matters in the end. Well, I think that's the, that's the part that would be fun, is just seeing him fuck with everything, but really have no consequences on the greater MCU. Like, it's probably gonna affect the multiverse that he is in, and maybe we'll see some of those consequences in the Doctor Strange movie or something like that, but I think... Overall, I feel like it's almost a get-out-of-jail-free card and basically just lets the writers do whatever the hell they want there. Yeah, but they also, they're doing what-if for that purpose. I mean, like, to me, I don't, I True, don't think... yeah. Like, I don't think they're going to go to all that effort not to further their narrative. It's possible. I, I, I think I have a hard time believing that they bring Loki back into the main fold of the storyline anymore. I know Thor is still around, but I think Loki's death in Infinity War is more impactful than his return in Endgame. Infinity War was the culmination of creating this amazing, lovable villain for a decade, almost seven, eight years, and then getting to that point for him to, quote, matter. Um... To your point, Mike, I think it's possible that they could write storylines where things he's involved with have effects elsewhere that are observed or noticed. But I would be shocked if anyone ever decides, now wait a minute, I this weird coincidence of things that have happened in these times and places, let's go figure that out. And, and like it then comes back to Loki and Loki's in important again to those other people that's why i kind of see him like behind the scenes of other things possibly but not that anyone else will ever not to say not that i don't want to say like they they won't care that it's him but he won't become part of the broader storylines again so i know we're off topic but i will put one last little bit in for this and say that um that is almost kind of Loki's thing in the comics, though. Like, you just can't really mm-hmm. get rid of him. Um, he's kind of like the Joker. Like, he always finds a way to come back after he should be gone forever. Um, it's kind of a thing that he does. So Very, very possible. I, I could see them playing him back in and that show being more of a journey that he takes to wind him up back in the MCU. More of a journey, so, you know, he picks up the cube in Avengers 1, there at the bottom of Stark Tower, 
And then he somehow, through the manipulations of whatever version of the Tesseract he has by the end of the show, ends up back in the actual MCU again. Back in with everything going on. And that's like the culmination of the show. And that leads into presumably either Guardians 3 or whatever else Thor's going to do or multiverse or something. Very well could be. Uh, Spinning back around to uh, a point that one of you made, though, I think Wanda was a specific storytelling device set set up to be a, a stepping stone between A and B and to give you information for there to specifically get you to the next spot. Sam and and Bucky, I think, could still act in that regard, but I think the nature of their their roles, their capacity in world politics, in in just the the system, so to speak. I agree that I think that and I didn't think I that I would think this going in. But now that it's over, I could see that more easily lending itself, yes, to at least another potential miniseries of that. Where I do think, you know, like I said, Wanda was a specific device. It was it was getting you somewhere else you needed to be. Um, where, whereas this story of, of them two and now Sam's new position and things definitely could continue in this format. So I'm... I'm at least for my outline, I kind of end there. I think it's a good place to end is like sort of what comes next for these characters and where, where they could end up. So I kind of want to put a pin in that and we'll kind of come back to that at the end. Sure. Cause there's, there's rumors to cover with that. And I don't want to get bogged down on that before we really dive into the show. Sounds good. Um, is there anything else just before we get into characters, anything else we want to touch on and talk about? Nothing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's start with, uh, the new captain America. So for Sam and his part in this story, I guess, what did you think of, of Sam as the character that we get to see his arc overall in this, in this series and how they did with it? Uh, Josh, we'll go with you. Uh, thank you. Uh, one observation that I, I heard about midway through the series was if you look at how big the scenes were, episode one comes out and just uppercuts you right in the balls. It's big. They're flying a lot. There's a lot of things going on. A little bit you get, I think, in, in, in episode two still, but the middle of that show is very ground-level people. And um, that's that's where you get your, your, your characters. You know, you, you, you give your introduction, okay, where... Where is Sam and Bucky? Um, where do we find them at this moment? How how are we catching up to them? And that first episode really sets the tone of that. Like, oh, okay, this is this is where they are. This is the tone that that we're getting. Um, and that whole middle chunk, while on retrospect might feel like it's a bit slow. A, you know, an action a, a bit. That's that's where it happens for Sam. Like episode three, four, five, it's there, um, and, and it's 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 paced just perfectly enough 
you you get the the hesitation you get the 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 the, the whole subplot with isaiah you know that i know going into this like we had probably talked what what is the show going to be about what 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 is there going to be happening and one of the ideas was is is part of the show going to be in essence bucky having to convince sam to be comfortable being captain america and to accept it and i wasn't shocked that that was part of it i am i was surprised that like hey like nearly opening scene sam literally says nope shield's not for me i'm literally walking away from it i'm the falcon i'm doing my thing so i didn't think it was going to be that entrenched i thought it would just be more getting him comfortable in his skin but that entire subplot with isaiah bradley completely for me fleshed out sam's journey and gave adequate reason for his journey why is he unsure it's not just because he's a person stepping into legendary shoes of someone who is you know mythological for a century he's someone not only doing that but he's an adult black male doing that in a similar enough fictitious universe to our own that all of those social and historical dynamics still exist and he's working within there so that meaty chunk in the middle if like if, if you didn't have that i don't think his beginning and end would be as impactful and make as much sense a lot of that i think again i think why i want to praise the writing so much for this show is that it i was surprised how deep it went with like social commentary and that it did not pull any punches with a lot of these scenes and conversations. And I, it, it's something I didn't expect for the show. I'm sort of like you. I expected coming into this, okay, it's going to be Sam getting the mantle of Captain America. Fine. But at no point did I think he was just going to be like, no, I don't want it. I thought this whole series was going to be him basically like montage training and getting <laughs> used to the shield and what to do with it and how to fight and, and that kind of thing. That was what I had in my head. Not that he wasn't going to train with the shield until episode five of a six episode series. Like that surprised me how long they, they dangled that carrot for all of us before he finally started doing something with it. But to your point, the way that's drawn out and all the hard conversations that happen in between there, especially with Isaiah, I ate that stuff up. I loved that they went there with this kind of stuff. So I think a little bit of what you described there that you thought was going to happen is absolutely what would have happened if this movie was made in 2001. Where, okay. you know, like, you just look back at, like, all the older movies that they made. They just jumped right into it. They're the superhero. They're going. They're doing their thing. And we're getting to the action. And it, that was kind of the way they framed things, where this is definitely doing the right thing and taking its time to build Sam's character from the start where we didn't have as much time, like we discussed earlier, didn't have as much time with them before. Now we do. And as opposed to making the show about some villain, um, more than anything, they made the show about Sam, because if they hop in and Sam's just kicking ass, you have to make the show about the villain because that's yeah. where the, that's where the meaty chunks come from. If you're not really following his arc to get to where he ends up and he's just there, 
then we have to have that more don't get me wrong more daniel Brühl and more zemo i would have been definitely down for that guy's awesome does a great job but same they did the right thing um and what they did with sam um the only thing i don't like is the same thing i still don't like from the comics about sam becoming captain america and it's actually something that they corrected about sam in his previous appearances when he was just falcon and that is the stupid mask they put on him that looks so ridiculous up the sides of his face and just frames his face like he's just in a bonnet or some shit. And it just bugs the shit out of me. They did the right thing. He had that in the comics as Falcon. And they just gave him the goggles as Falcon here and it looked good. And they put it on him as Captain America and I'm like, no, I don't. I hate that thing up the side of his face. It just... I've, I've heard that complaint from a lot of people. And I... Even, I I get it, like yeah, it kind of looks doofy compared to like the other stuff that the other costumes that he's wearing. And you know, every time we get an iteration of Captain America, they change the suit slightly. So who's to say the next iteration of that suit isn't going to have that? But the comic book fan of me was squealing when that thing appeared on screen because it is completely ripped from the page of the comic book. Oh, absolutely, it's a hundred percent like. It and I fucking loved it. I was on. I was leading up to that, like I'm talking to people at work, like people that don't know the comics or know like I guess weren't getting the telltale signs of where the show was going. I'm like, Sam's going to get the shield. Sam's going to be Captain America. And they're like, ah, I don't know. And then I pull up the picture of like him in costume with the wings and the shield and say, it's going to look like this. This is what they're going for. <laughs> You're like, I don't like spoilers, but spoiler for you right here. Well, no, I mean like, you know, like <laughs> they're trying to tell me like, no, he doesn't do that. It's going to be Bucky's. I'm like, no, Sam's had the shield in the there comics. And this is what Bucky it looks was like. going to end up with the shield during the show. I had a lot. I've, I've heard talk. Yeah. There were some people that definitely thought Bucky was going to be the one. Okay. Um, but anyway, so, you know, showing that a couple episodes before it was on screen, I had a couple people come up to me after work and be like, look, I, I thought of you as soon as that costume showed up. And I was like, I know, I was freaking out. It was great. <laughs> like, I loved it. Again, it, even even U.S. Agents outfit like that was ripped oh, from the yeah. comics, too. And I love that, too. Yeah. Like, I love that we're getting comp like Marvel has done this correctly. And it's the one thing that I've missed so much from the X-Men movies. And I want them so badly is the comic accurate costumes for these characters. And Marvel finds a way to make it work in their world in the MCU. And I, I, ah, the comic book nerd in me is like, fucking, yes, give me more, yes. We've said this for years, and I, I'll continue to say it. Comic books are successful for a reason. They are visually appealing. People love the look and style of the comic books. And yeah. when movie directors come in and say, nah, we got to make it more realistic so audiences eat it up. And I say to myself, no, that's not the case. Because people want that that are fans of the comic books and a lot of people that aren't fans of comic books just really haven't been exposed to it. They haven't had the opportunity to hear the story, to see the art, to see how these things are represented. These interesting, colorful characters work and people want to see that. And you wonder why things don't work when you back off of what something that's already successful does. Yeah. They're assuming they don't want it because they've never seen it. It's like, well, how do you know they don't want it? They've never seen it. That's the point. Right. And I, and as much as I agree with you, like it was great to see them stick right to the costume. I didn't like that about his costume when it was in the comics. <laughs> so yeah, I still yeah. would rather it not, you know, it's just that one stupid, ah, it's weird. But nonetheless, I felt the same way. Um, you know, 
it, the only thing I feel like maybe they made a, a little bit of a leap on this show was all of a sudden they have Sam able to ping the shield off of everything and catch it. And then, like, he's doing it with Bucky. They're throwing it up against the thing. He's catching it, throwing it, catching it. And then they give you the montage after that of him struggling to do that very same thing. Yeah. I was confused by that because they're like, oh, look, he can do it. And then they're like, oh, look, he can't do it. And I was like, can he do it or does he have to train to do it? Is it the shield that's doing it and it's like the shield's capability just does it? Or is it that he's just that good, you know, because Bucky being able to do it makes sense because he's a super soldier. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense. Sam being able to do it doesn't make as much sense without the training. So when they showed him first doing it, I was like, wait a minute. Why is he able to do that? And then they showed the training after, and it just, I don't know, it, it fucked with me a little bit. I think that was kind of maybe a mistake on their part. Maybe they put that scene I, I guess in it's just the when context they, that they wanted. Well, I think it's more like when they wanted to frame that conversation. This is what I mean. Maybe, like it, maybe, yeah, maybe in the original draft or something, that conversation happened after he did some training. Yeah. But it felt better in the edit before all of that. I think um, that's, that's what the only happened. thing I can think of. Yeah, they, they, but I I love that whole scene when they're just like playing catch with the shield. Yeah. Like that's that's fucking great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, you know, and yeah, the 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 whole thing for Sam there, hundred percent. Um, behind him is Captain America. Um, and what he does at the end with Isaiah is legitimately chokes you up. Yes. Um. Yeah. That, to me, was where the full arc of his character actually came into play. More so than just putting on the suit, becoming Captain America and all that. He goes and he says, no, you know what? We need to make this right. And he does the right thing that maybe another Captain America wouldn't have done. You know, like he takes that step and says, this has to happen. And that's why Sam... That's why this show really illustrates that Sam is the best person for this mantle that he has the character required to be Captain America. It's something John Walker wasn't dealing with in the right way. And you're, you know, his whole thing is there, there's definitely something he did some bad things and may not be the best character to bring that mantle, like, you know, carry that mantle like Steve was. Well, but I think everybody still thinks they just need a soldier. Right. That, I was not a say, good person. It goes right back to like the first Avenger, the, you know I mean? Like, right. And you know, like, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, I don't remember the name of his character's general um, yeah, yeah. in that, but he wants a good big soldier, and he talks up the one guy throughout the whole beginning of the movie, and then you have Erskine, who's like, this one, because yeah. of character, because of who he is. Yes, Bucky's already a super soldier, he has all this stuff going for him. Yeah, it, um, Walker is a fantastic special operations soldier who has done all this stuff is a, you know, a hero to other soldiers, you know, whatever. But does he have the personal character to do it? And the answer was no. The one who did is Sam. And they portrayed that incredibly well here. And I I like the parallels that they drew between the, like how, like, like I said, what we just mentioned, um, the only thing I thought was going to happen going into the last episode that didn't was Bucky would 
do like the oh let's hear it for Captain America kind of thing. Like oh, yeah. I thought Ooh, they might have pulled that. that. Great. There wasn't a moment for it though. Like it wouldn't have made sense after that speech that Sam gave, and it wouldn't have worked before it. So True. like I don't know where they would have fit it in, but I would have loved to have seen it. And then so going back to like call like line callbacks, would anybody else think this when it happened was that in the final episode, Sam's fighting Carly. She's like beat the crap out of him. He's refusing to fight. He gets she she's he's on the ground and she basically says like don't get up like stay down, and he slowly gets up and I'm waiting, waiting for, for the it. I could do this all day it's all day yes I've and seen he, he yes. just says no, I, which felt a little bit like I get it like you're not gonna you're not Captain America so you're not gonna l- use that line but I thought if they were gonna make a callback like that would be the time to do it that line was yes. a callback though what just no no. Because if you remember, like I've seen people say the same thing that you're saying, but the actual callback is to the line from the Civil War comics and from the Civil War movie where when everybody tells you that you're wrong, it is your job to stand like a tree beside the river of truth and say, no, you move. It, it, like That's the callback okay. they're making there is he is putting his foot down and saying no. I'm not going to fight you just because you want to fight me. This is not how this is going to go down, and that is that. And he's okay. he's yeah, doing that. that thing that it was originally in the comics of Captain America line, and Sharon says it in Civil War uh, yeah. at the funeral. And to me, that's that's what that was calling back to more. Like, the I can do this all day is more fun, but I feel like they were trying to make more of a point. And I feel like that was where they were going, personally. Yeah. But okay. Um, anything else for for Sam, or we'll, we'll move on to Bucky. Good. I mean, I just to add, I definitely think, and you know, all that we've talked about, I definitely think Sam had the best arc out of everybody. He's supposed to, and yeah. I think they nailed it. Agreed. Um. All right. So Bucky's arc, and and how Sebastian Stan did. What do we think about Bucky? Josh, what I, do you think? Yeah, I, I think I said some of my piece earlier, um, and I, while we were talking, I looked part of it up. Um, the the Bucky breakdown scene that I was mentioning was in episode four, not six. Um, and I think it's once uh, he, he's still in Wakanda, and they're working with him to try to deprogram him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's when he breaks down. Um, yeah, I, I think it definitely moved the needle for him. Um, I think like I said I think there's there's a lot from his psychological journey that we've been given thus far that they worked on well. Because um, you can't just assume like okay, his he he is like ninety years old, a hundred years old. He's gone through what he has um, over 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 time mentally and physically, and and you know what's been done to him. And he got blipped away. He rematerializes. His best friend, for all intents and purposes, is either vanished or dead or gone to some degree. His his only connection to the world, his last connection to the the world that he now wakes up and finds himself in, to remain in, is now gone. Um, and where where does a person like that find their place? You know, he's just as displaced and without a home as the people who came back from the blip and is feeling that crunch just in the same way that Carly and her crew 
are as well. He 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 is quote you know not doesn't have a place to be. Um, and I think they explored that really well. Yeah, uh, Mike, what do you got? I I think he did. Yeah, I, mean, I think Sebastian Stan did an excellent job with what he had to work with. Um, I'd like to get more. I'd like to have Bucky to have an arc as opposed to just exploring and making up for the past now that he's covered that. You know, I mean, like, we've got that. It's behind him after this show. I mean, I think that that is the arc. I don't think like that's him, an arc. Him I think accepting that's the same what arc he's done as the Winter Soldier. I think, like, that's his arc that's just continued from the movies and ends here as opposed to Sam, who got a full arc for just the show. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'd buy that. You know, like, this to me, this is the end of the Winter Soldier's story. Yeah. And it's the beginning of Bucky's story Um, from wherever he goes from here. You know what I mean? That's Bucky's story. And I want to see that in the future. Um, what they did with him here, he provided, like I said, excellent comedic timing um, with Sam and Anthony Mackie, whatever you want to say, however you want to say it. Um, some of the moments were fantastic. Him saying, oh, yeah, the, what, you know, I think the girl asked him why, she, why he hangs out with the old man. And he's like, well, I'm 104 years old. And I guess she thinks he's joking because he's not really known as much as the other Avengers so he can kind of get away with being in public without being recognized um and personally for me the like the funniest line in the entire show is like him turning the wrench and I think Sam asked him like oh you're not gonna not gonna use the 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 vibranium arm he's like well you know I'm right-handed and, yeah, I don't always think about it. Yeah, I don't think about instinct. it. I'm right-handed. I love that. Um, and also, like, showing his usefulness in rebuilding the boat where he just picks up the engine block and is like, okay, <laughs> just walks yeah. it off. It, like, it was... He functioned very well, kind of the same way he did for Steve. Where he was there, he had a less significant arc and helped build the character of Sam. Yeah. And I think they did good. I, I don't think there was anything exceptional about what they did with him. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I definitely think that he did not get as much to do as, as Sam and, and Anthony Mackie. Um, and I, I don't want to say rele, rele, relegated to a supporting role. Cause I definitely think the two of them play off each other well enough that they do feel like two leads. Um, but yeah, I think I I I do want to see definitely where where Bucky goes from here. Now that we've sort of capped off the Winter Soldierness of it all, um, and you know, going through all the steps of finally accepting like what he did as the Winter Soldier and starting to move past that. That's something that you know they've they've tried to do in the movies, but you just don't get enough screen time with Bucky to really put any weight there. So now that he has time to grow as a character, you can actually get to see some of that stuff in this. And, you know, to Josh's point, I do think that Bucky had some of the most emotional scenes in the show, period. Um, I think some of the stuff with Isaiah was was very good. Um, but the the scene that Josh mentioned with the, the campfire and getting, like, the, the code words out of Bucky's system was great. Um, when he finally confesses to the old man at the end of the series, that was great. And the, the other scene that, like, pinged me watching it was when they were uh when Sam and Bucky were in therapy and Bucky confessed to him like you know about what giving up the shield meant to him and stuff like that that scene 
hit me surprisingly hard as well. Um, so yeah, I think both of these guys do great. I, I, it's going to be difficult to see if like, if they, if the characters go different directions from here and they do not do season two for whatever reason and like put them in their own movies or something that will make me sad because I think they work much better as a team. And I, I really don't want to break up that dynamic wherever they go next. I think, I think it needs to be together. Um, anything else for Bucky? No, we'll uh, move on to John Walker. Let's talk about John Walker. So what we think of uh, Wyatt Russell and John Walker. Uh, Mike, I'll let you go first this time. I, I spoke earlier. I think uh, he did an excellent job with the role. Um, and I feel like it was well written. And I like I'm interested to see where they go from here with the character. Um, he played, I mean, the, the the character played the role they needed him to play, had the arc they needed him to have. He served a function. Um, the part I find interesting is the potential future for that character. Now, I assume you don't have an offshoot um, for Julia Louis-Dreyfus here. She was going to show up under my surprise when I ask you what surprised you. Okay, so can... she was she was a complete surprise to me. I had no idea she was in the show. So when she showed up, I was like, "What is that? Her really?" Yeah, same. She looks a little different. I don't know why she looked different than, I guess, the last time I had seen her. I don't watch any of the new stuff she's done though. Um, but to me, her like her appearance, yes, surprise, of course. Um, but I think it signals an interesting future for the character, which I know you said you wanted to talk about that stuff later. Um, yeah, we can try to dive into what comes next. Now? Like, yeah, le- well, later or on, later on. Later, we'll try okay. to save it for later, yeah. yeah. Um, I think they did really good uh, with him as um, John Walker and with the costume and his entire attitude. I'm not so sure about him taking the super soldier serum. Um, I, I don't remember if John Walker actually ever did that. I thought I read somewhere that he was powered in the comics, like eventually juiced up for from something. I didn't. Okay, juiced up from something. I I believe. I like I don't know if it was know. Super Soldier or some sort of similar cocktail or something, but he. I thought he was you know stronger than normal. Yeah, I, I thought he was always like Steve Light, like he wasn't quite what Captain America was in terms of yeah. like abilities and strength and all that. Um, but presumably the super soldier serum would put him on that same level. Or even more so. Although he didn't, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird conversation to have since he was bigger to begin with. What would have happened and why didn't these people grow? But there was Vita rays, but there wasn't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyways, I think, um, yeah, I mean, the guy played a really good asshole through through most of the show who had a bit of a coming back to earth uh arc in the second half of the show you know after his his friend dies and he kills the guy and you know the military he's fought for his whole life abandons him and says you did this one really dumb thing so fuck you forever um i i i liked the way they played his arc and his attitude towards things over time um, and something very interesting 
that I actually read. Somebody wrote an article about um, that scene where he kills the kid with the shield. And the article they wrote was talking about how the scene was so well played as a metaphor for how a lot of the world sees the U.S. Oh, yeah. You know, as this overwhelming force that's just beating you down without really having much of a reason to do it or doing it for the wrong reason or just it just how they see it you know this thing that's supposed to be good that just did a really bad thing and all that like and i feel like that was it was so well done for that character that whole scene was just perfect i think i'd seen the memes too after that episode of like they show chris evans captain america is like how america views themselves and then there was the john walker with the bloody shield saying how the world views america yeah Mm -hmm. and it's accurate yeah very fitting it's accurate but i mean other than that there's not really a lot to say like he was amazing there you know like it's more to me with him about the future and what's going to happen with that character yeah uh josh what do you think um a lot of the same. I know there was focus that needed to be put elsewhere on a couple of different other main or sub plots and uh, and and arcs. I I think it could have benefited from a little extra time if it had been available to show the rise and fall of John from being named as Captain America to becoming. Mr. Overwhelmed, cocky, and then feeling inadequate and whatnot, then, you know, breaking down and deciding to take the serum when he comes across it and whatnot. Um, I completely follow what happened, but I think it could have been strengthened if if the ability had been there. Now, I don't know what you do with, like, another two episodes worth of, like, the rest of the story to, to, to fit that in. Um, but, uh, I, I didn't like the moment that he becomes a douchebag, he's a great actor at making you think he's a douchebag and he, he sold it getting him from the, you've been selected. I just want to be a boy scout to becoming corrupted. If you will. Um, I think that happened a little too quick, but other than, and that's not his fault. That's just you know what they had time to do and that's okay yeah um um but other than that yeah he he was a good foil as a representation for the other characters and what his actions were representing like all all the symbolism that you just mentioned um you know uh the 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 need you know uh, aside from an argument as to or a debate with to whether you think the real United States would do a particular thing or not, it's very believable that after having something good that people saw as so good that now has gone away, any any like world leader or politician or decision maker just to want to keep things on brand and just jumping right into the loss of Steve Rogers to okay we're gonna give it to somebody else because sort sort of like what we were doing with steve even if john is being a real person in the field from day one you you know you see him there in what is it episode two i think you know going back to his high school 
football stadium and doing the big TV interview on the field. They're yeah. still they're still using him as the dog and pony show that they tried to do with Steve when they first made him. And now they kind of want the best of both. They want the soldier in the field, but they also want the PR mascot. And I, I loved that part. Like, I think sort of with his arc, I think I was with it. Like, I think you said you sort of lost in the middle. I think I was with it until the end of it. Like the, I think the redemption comes too quickly. Like he starts to get redeemed by the end and that switch happens too quickly. I think I, I see where they start him and, you know, going back to the, uh, the, the high school football, like, okay. So the first episode ends, you get John Walker as Captain America and you're like, well, who the fuck is this guy? You already hate him. The second episode <laughs> opens and it gives you the inside look of like in the locker room and the weight of the responsibility on him. And you get the sense of his character and that, yes, he understands what this means and what comes with the mantle. And then he is going to try to do his best to, uh, you know, make that name, the Captain America name proud and stand for something. And you start to sympathize for him. And then, he, like you said, he goes through the propaganda machine. Uh, just like Steve did. And you're like, are they actually going to give this guy something to do? Um, and the other, so sidebar, the other fun thing about that football stadium is the, the band is playing the, the star spangled man plan mm -hmm. song that they did from yes. the first Avenger movie, but it's like Sarah the marching band up. version. Oh, it was so good. Um, so yeah, then he starts to do stuff and you realize, okay, maybe he can actually handle the mantle of Captain America and he seems to be doing well. Um, and you start to see his fall from grace a little bit. He finds the serum, and you start thinking, is he going to take this immediately? If he would have taken it immediately, then it's like, okay, you're a villain. He doesn't take it immediately. He has heart-to-heart -heart conversations with his best friend trying to decide if he should take this thing. And it's not until he feels like he starts, that he gets defeated by the Dormilaji that finally it's like, okay, something, I can't do this just as a normal guy. And that kickstarts his decision. So all of the decisions up to then... Even, you know, going forward and killing the guy and going into the villain territory, I, I'm with it there. By the end of the, the final episode of the series, he shows up and you think he is the villain. He is going to be completely bad. And he makes the conscious decision to save the, the car full of people. So he starts to turn the corner. But he literally killed someone like a week ago and Bucky's there joking with him by the end of the series. And I'm like, this does not feel right to me. This needs some lead up or something there to, to meld those two together. That felt like a leap to me. I'm not saying we couldn't get there, but there was not time to turn that corner for me. So to be fair and what I'll get to on this is he was never a bad person. He, he never played a bad person. He played a douchebag, but not a bad person. He killed somebody in the heat of combat when he should have held back. But they, I mean... It was, but anything after that, like, they, they paint him as a villain there still. I think they paint him as struggling internally after that. Not... True, like, but... Like, as a that, villain villain. He, he, I, he's yeah, not, well, I also you know, feel like, like the person oh, on the wrong side of the whole people. thing, though. I, I, I think the disconnect there is the the court martial scene that you get is effectively all but going short of arresting him for murder mm -hmm. because yes. of the very words that he says, you made me, you didn't, you know, you didn't give me the serum and I don't even, they might not even know he had it by that point, but you made me and 
probably only because of that recognition is why he's like not put, you know, in a military jail right. for what he did. But putting him in that position, publicly vilifying him and then showing, you know, ending the show, which I think might have the only credit stinger of the whole series. Um, you True. know, you show they, they they show him constructing his own Captain America shield with his his medals and whatnot. Um, I'm with Brian in that. I think the tone that they're setting absolutely is making you seem like okay, he's just been cast out. He's gonna go out and do something on his own. To me, like I wasn't preparing for him to go be Mister Vigilante per se. I I was expecting him, yes, to to be somewhat of a hindrance to fight back against the system that he's now pissed at for vilifying him when he feels completely justified in what he did, even though he lied about what he did. I, th I think the tone that was set. The end of episode five was, very was rock clear. bottom for him. Yeah. And at that point, I'm uh, the tone that I got and what they felt like they were hinting at was he's going to come back as the, he's going to be an antagonist to Falcon and winter soldier or at least a hindrance of some kind. Yeah, because they basically forced him to this point where he got everything he's ever wanted stripped from him. But I think... He, he would blame them and the government. But he never... Again, I don't see where his character took that turn to start blaming people that didn't deserve blame. Like, yes, he essentially kills the wrong person, but his best friend just died in a fight with these people, and he goes out and seeks immediate retribution during that fight and he like again he goes too far but he's coming out of the heat of battle and that's the one really truly bad thing he does other than being a douche is there anything else that he does that's actually just bad or goes beyond just being hot-headed or stupid i think a lot I, of the the fight that follows between falcon and winter soldier and him the three-way battle to me is already like okay he's turned the corner he's insane nuts and this is him snapping See, I think he snapped in a moment, you know what I mean, of that seeing his best friend die, and he's having a bit of a, I'm trying to think, of episode, if you will, uh, where he's hit a point where, holy hell, I, you know, my best friend just died, I just killed somebody, and here these guys come already on top of me, and I gotta deal with this, and, you know, like, and it just, he's not had time to process things. And he just goes. I don't think that's a villain fight. I think that's a pacification of somebody that lost control. Which is a realistic portrayal of real life. People lose control in the heat of the moment when major things like witnessing their best friend die happen. And then they regain themselves after. But it's not immediate. And... Yeah, he fought them, but he didn't fight them. I don't feel like like a villain. I, 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 yeah, I guess I could get that, but I guess either way, the turn at the end when he finally starts to be a hero again and show those characteristics, it seems like a light switch gets flipped. And I think I expected more of a progression there. I feel like he, he, he always use, was. He's a dimmer switch, not the light switch. Yes. Yeah, the dimmer switch and not the light switch is what I was. Yeah, what I would have liked to see. And again, to Josh's point, maybe they just didn't have time for that. So that's a that's a fault of just not having enough space to give that character time to get there. 
So, Mike, I think the difference that I'm experiencing about what we're talking about is everything you're saying is things that I could believe people would potentially do and how scenarios could potentially play themselves out real. Where I'm coming from is what I felt the creators and the writers were intentionally setting up for us through their usage of scene and dialogue and mood. And then right after his court-martial, he goes out and meets a mysterious character played by a high-profile secret actor that we didn't know that was in. And she's talking all this shady shit, and she gives him a blank business card. Like, all, all, the, all the things that they did, regard, regardless of how a whether I could empathize or sympathize with a real situation about it, I'm thinking really about what the creators chose to show us through their through their devices and that that's just why i came to a similar place as as brian thinking that okay as we start episode six he's in a particular place and yes i i I agree that while i never thought that he was necessarily now going to be an evil person like I'll, i'll recycle something that i think we said from wandavision uh maybe other things I maybe didn't think that he was now going to be a villain, but I still assumed he would be in the role of some kind of threat. That he was not going to necessarily be an ally and as forgiven by some of the parties that he apparently seemed to be very quickly. Well, again, I mean, you're talking about also, you know, like Sam and Bucky are both soldiers. They've both seen and done this. Sam was a counselor for guys with PTSD coming back and Bucky did a bunch of horrible things in his life and him being able to forgive somebody that did one really bad thing. Well, the difference with Bucky is Bucky was never in control of the bad things that he did. He still did them. He still remembers them and people still right, have to that forgive him. Is for not it. his fault. That's the difference. Well, John I, was very I, conscious of what's going on and he did to, it himself. True, but to, to to split the hair, I think I'm I'm with Brian on that one last little point that it's not that I couldn't believe that John Walker couldn't get there. I just I do think when it like got kind of crammed in the last 15, 20 minutes of the last episode, especially when they just showed us him hitting complete rock bottom the show before, that that like I, it is a little bit too much of a roller coaster in the last two episodes. Fair enough. I mean, to echo what you said before, Mike, I do think uh, Wyatt Russell did fucking fantastic in the role. I think I think he acted the hell out of it. I think other than Anthony Mackie, I think he's going to be the most talked about actor out of this. I can, yeah, I can agree with that. Um, let's let's swing over to uh, to Zemo. What do you think about having Zemo back? Not, I don't know if he really got an Zemo. arc, but no, he just did things. Yeah, he was he was kind of there. <laughs> um, you know, I kind of want to get some Turkish delight now and find out if they really are irresistible. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he was great. Daniel Brühl's amazing as always. That I mean, the guy is just good at what he does, and he nailed it here. Um, and Zemo was just there, and he was fun, and it was interesting to see him play that chaotic role where you just don't know what this guy's going to do the whole time. Yeah. I liked it. 
And like we said, I, he's still on the board. So still yeah. out there. The door's open. <laughs> I agree. Uh, if uh, I don't even know if they have the ability to anymore, but if uh, if people could go back to some episodes from our first year leading up to the release of Civil War, and you know, talking about trailers or casting news or whatever it is, I remember at least casually, whether it was on the show or not, I'm pretty sure it was talking about the casting of Daniel Brohl. And like I, I knew shit all about Zemo before that, but I had seen a movie or two with him recently, just before that casting was announced. And I'm like, oh, wait, this guy is this guy's going to be in a Marvel movie. He's going to be in Civil War and he's going to be the antagonist. Yes, to all of that. <laughs> and he did not disappoint and the not that there was weak or low points to this show but it would have every moment he's in a scene makes it better yeah i mean how much did like internet uh traffic did the freaking 30 seconds of him dancing get <laughs> like that was everywhere yeah um what about uh sharon what do we think of having sharon back I don't know if she really... Did she get an arc? I don't know if she really had an arc no. either. There's not an arc there. It's setting up a future opportunity with the character. Yeah. Um, Her being the power broker, I've heard fan theories about her having blipped, but not actually. Um, And that's when she developed, you know what I mean, her status as the power broker because whoever the actual power broker was did blip she faked it mm. for her own cover and took on the role yeah because i think i've had this conversation i think with again i think people at work i was talking about this with but like theoretically if she's on the run after civil war and even if she builds up that type of empire pre-blip if she blipped the way that crime syndicates work is as soon as she would be gone, the power vacuum would happen and someone else would take her spot. So by the time she blipped back five years later, she wouldn't have any of that stuff anymore. So the only re the only way she would be able to sustain that is if she'd never blipped out. She had to have been there the whole time. Right. Or, or to Mike's point, which I could actually buy that possibility that she had been around it and maybe was aware of and like, I like that exactly too. what you're saying. There was a yeah. vacuum created. She stepped into it. That's what I mean. Like, what? It, like, she faked her own blip to avoid the government. In other words, it w was the idea. Like, she went to Madreport and was able to get them off her tail during that time because she faked the blip. And then everybody comes back, and now they know she's out there again. So it, they're back on her. But whoever did she ever tell know, them that she blipped? Yeah. Is that part of the dial? She does? She Well, she was confirmed as blipped because you see her name as one of them. Um, and I want to say it wasn't on the thing that Scott looks at in Endgame, mm -hmm. but there's um, something. I, I think it's the thing at the end. Is it Captain Marvel's uh, post-credit scene where they're flipping through all the different stuff of the people that blipped? And like, oh, maybe. and like she like pops up like where's Fury or computer screen or whatever yeah and she's one of them that shows on that screen yeah okay um, so I think like it's confirmed within the MCU that she blipped or supposedly and I think this is maybe playing it she got somebody to confirm that she blipped for her did they show her picture or her name 
like when they're when they're scrolling through stuff. Is it just a name or do they I'd, see? I'd have to I think watch they, I feel like they're going through pictures. I thought. I'm, I feel I'm like it's her for, picture. I'm like, looking for screenshots right now, and if this one is not Doctor, like other than putting it in like the movie in right now, um, this one is from Endgame, and she's not front and center. She's like to the right of the main picture that they're showing you because they're, they're in like that sort of like artificial hologram screen space where they've got like pictures and shit all around them and if this is yeah if this is real then i guess I, I, it might be okay it's like the opening scene of endgame after tony comes back and they're going through the pictures and, and whatnot again right before uh carol says all right well i'm gonna go kill thanos now gotcha okay i, I know um, it was something like that so was it was anyone surprised that she was the power broker? Did that actually was that actually like a reveal for anybody? By that point, no. Yeah, like it, what once she started dealing with Batroc, it was kind of like okay, I get it now. Because I feel like there was a scene like it, right when the scientist dies, the episode where they raid the scientist and he dies, and everybody sort of parts ways, and then she gets into a limo after look, seeming like talking to her driver that we have a problem that raised some eyebrows for me. But then it's like never really touched on. Yeah. So I feel like you're already thinking about it and raising some suspicions, but yeah, it's never really confirmed until the fun alley. I think that moment for me, I thought she got in the limo with the power broker. Like I thought like, like in my mind, that moment was like, she's getting in there and reporting to that person. Right. At that point, you don't know if she is the power broker or if she's talking to the power broker. Right. She's working with them or something. Yeah. And, you know, I thought they were setting up a reveal for a future villain that they could use. You yeah. know what I mean? Like whoever it could have been, it wasn't obviously, but I thought that's what they were doing. Um, so I, you know, like one, but once you start dealing with Batroc, you're like, mm, okay, this makes sense now. So try to refresh my memory. Cause we're under the impression then by the end of it, that she hired Batroc twice. Cause Batroc's in the first episode. And then he comes back later to work with Carly. What was Batroc hired to do in the first episode? Or, well, I, I don't know never that we're went back under and the impression she that. hired him. He's a gun for hire. He could have been hired by anybody the first but time. But she makes it seem like when she calls him up that she's hiring him again. Like, there's dialogue oh. there that seems to think it's the second time she's doing this. Nothing says it's that thing, though. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, who, who, what's to say that it's the same thing that she hired him for was the first thing that you see him doing the in the series. Well, I guess my thought is that if it's in the show, that it would hopefully connect to something that like a payoff later. So I would, in my mind, it should be connected, but I just don't remember what that sort of mission or job was in the beginning. Like we just think it's a mission Falcons on just to do something. But if we go back and rewatch it, is it somehow tied to stuff that comes later? I'd have to rewatch. Okay. Yeah. Same. I don't recall. I know. I I know. They're like first episode either. Yeah. I mean, obviously doing like the whole flying around and, crazy helicopter to helicopter shit that was awesome. Yes. Um, but what the hell they were doing, I cannot remember. Because the, the, the whole thing at that episode was just like, oh shit, it's the guy from Winter Soldier. Like, he's there in the helicopter. He's the bad guy. But you're, yeah, I never really tried to pay attention to what was going on and why. Yeah, it was like that kick from Steve didn't kill him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, it, it... I mean, it's cool to see him back. Um... He's still a weird villain to have playing a, a significant role, but I like it. Well, he's dead now, so we'll never see him again. <laughs> I know, but it, it's still just 
like Batroc the Leaper was such a weird villain in the comics. Like really, really weird. And it, it, like, but it worked. Like George Saint Pierre killed it, um, yeah. which you would not expect from somebody like that. Um, so. so as far as like Sharon's sort of like power broker plan here, do, does that track for everybody? Like, I'm trying to figure out like do we again, really... sort of like. What's that? I was going to say, do we really know enough about her? Well, I'm just trying to, like, so we we are alluded to the power broker as being something that existed early on, but we don't know who. So you connect the dots and it's like, okay, the power broker orchestrated the serum to be made. And Carly stole the serum from the power broker. So the power broker has been threatening her from the beginning of the show. And we eventually meet up with Sharon. Sharon starts to try to help Bucky and Sam leads them to the scientist that makes the serum, who presumably she is already has working for her, right. allows them to go in there, kill the scientist, which seems like counterproductive for her power broker plan. So is this whole just like, is it just playing the double agent thing? I, I'm going to start this trend now. She's a scroll. And I've heard that tossed out there too. I, I, I got nothing else. Like, it, it it's such... We, we like honestly like one of the things that felt most ham-fisted to me about like Captain America Civil War was like the ro- romance with her and that they didn't really give them time to progress as a, like a relationship between them beyond a, a few lines that happened sparsed out in Winter Soldier and in Civil War because they they really have not given that character room to grow. They introduce it and you're like, "Oh, cool, it's Agent 13." and then nothing happens and then, "Oh, cool, she did a thing" and then nothing else happens and then Yeah. Like there's just so many moments where there was chances to build that character up that they didn't use that I don't know if this makes sense for this character or not. Okay. Does it make sense for the comic book character? No, no, I'm just I'm no. just thinking like her plan, like the power broker's plan. Like if you if you have this thing that you are trying to protect because you are manufacturing a serum that you can sell to two things and make an army. And then you lead the people that are trying to stop it to there. So, like, it has to, Maybe in my mind, it has to be goal. a double agent thing. Well, yeah, I was going to say her whole goal in the beginning was to stop the manufacturer of it and to get control of it. And then. Which I was under the impression she had. Right. Already. And then Carly took it away from her, but she had control of it, so she controlled where it went. So she could at least, you know, have somewhat control, but I think she kind of loses herself and loses control of it as a power broker if she decides that we shouldn't be doing these immoral things. You know, like, at what point does that not work for a crime boss anymore and it blows her cover? So, wait, Sharon's having, a like, a uh, crisis of conscience? No, 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 no. I'm saying you don't get to be the power broker if you're, like... Hey, we shouldn't do these bad things. She would lose the role of the power broker if she cut okay, off yeah, yeah. what, you know, I mean, like if people knew that she cut off the, you know, the creation of super soldier serum and she was doing these things that were morally good and she was being a good guy. All of a sudden, you're no longer the leader of a crime syndicate because you're weak. So I think part of that was maintaining control of a potentially dangerous organization as well. So and stopping the supply, but making it look like 
well, obviously someone else did it, so you're you're not the one stopping the supply. Right. You're framing them sort of for doing it. Right. Playing it okay. off and all that. that. That's the only thing. I agree with you. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate on this and come up with yeah. some reason for it to make sense. It's another reason, like, I got to go back and just rewatch the whole thing and see if, like, all the all the plot threads still make sense for setups and payoffs and what's going on there. Yeah. And then also, to be fair, I don't think we talked about it earlier, but her fight scene that episode when they go to the scientist, her, like, John wicking everybody was fucking great. <laughs> I agree. It was it, like it really got a chance to let her show off that Agent Thirteen's a fucking badass. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, that that's fucking great. Like they haven't established her as that badass yet, but finally giving her a chance to be that is great. Yeah. Um, Josh, did we get you in for Sharon? Do you have anything to add? No, I think you guys hit it all pretty well with that um, shipyard container scene in mind. I was a little surprised to see Disney go that graphic um, with, with some the, of the fight sequence. With, well, with some of the shooting specifically um, the, I mean, it, it's very obvious there has been gunplay in their movies, but there's a difference of how they've done it in the past versus as you have characterized it, John wicking somebody. And they were like one, once or twice. I was like, Whoa, okay. They're, they're going there like that. <laughs> that like depending on how you sometimes it's not even just about, you know, the blood or something. Like the imagery of what you're portraying can sometimes be enough to have the conversation move the needle into should this be mature audiences rating? <laughs> like le- legitimately, like from from, you know, the TV ratings boards and all that stuff. Um so I I was surprised that they went there uh just cuz it's Disney. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, other than that, I, I, I was, I'll just go back to the, like the power broker reveal. I, I think that I was dis I don't want to say disappointed. Yeah. Maybe I was a little disappointed. The, the, their, their storytelling is typically much better at misdirection. So by, yeah, whatever it is like episode three or, or whatever that they, you know, have this fight, she gets in the car and she's saying, we got problems, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you've already introduced this idea of a power broker character. Like, yeah, okay. Your first thought is it might be her. So the obvious answer is it's not her. Yeah. But it ends up being her. Right. They're typically better than that. They double agented you. But not really. (laughs) They, they, they just kind of, they, they, if anything, maybe one of two explanations, they didn't pull it off as well as they typically can do these things. Or number two, they simply relied on us assuming that they wouldn't just show us who she really is. And so we'd be doubting ourselves the whole time. So then in the end, oh, no, I guess see, we, we had you second guessing yourself, but it, it really is her. Yeah. Um, You guys, did you watch the end credits scene for the final episode? With her in Congress and yes. the, like, you know, getting reinstated, I guess, and then having the conversation on the phone with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so my sort of theory is like where that's going to lead. Cause like she calls someone and says like, we're going to have access to government secrets and tech and we'll see what kind of buyers and stuff we have, uh, is armor wars. We're getting a show for Disney plus with James Rhodes. That is a story about Tony Stark's worst fear coming true with his tech falling into the wrong hands. What if the Iron Man tech is part of government secrets that she is going to sell to other people 
and start the armor wars. I like the idea, and I really hope that Justin Hammer is the uh, <laughs> Julia Louise Dreyfus of that show, and they introduce him way earlier, and he's way bigger. I mean, last we saw him, he was in jail with Trevor Slattery, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, but that was when was that one shot? That was after Iron Man three, so it was like I think it was on the Iron, Iron Man three Blu-ray. Was it okay? So we're going back to, you know, if real timelines, like 2013, 2014 timelines, the blip has happened, like the world got turned upside down and they came back and it got turned upside down a different way. Again, I could absolutely believe somehow, some way he's not in jail anymore. Just lost in the shuffle. Sure. (laughs) I, I really would have like, I'd love to see some story where he, during the blip, took advantage somehow and recreated hammer in some way with some new crazy scheme um to mimic tony's technology again but in a different way he's trying to do the nanotech this time and it's not working you know just (laughs) put that in there it doesn't even have to be a lot it could just be like a one-shot kind of thing to get him back you know i mean it would be great to have like a whole villain run for him that way but just more sam rockwell just, yeah, that's what I was going to get to. We don't care what happens. Just bring us more Sam, Rock- Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all we want. Um, last character I have that we figured maybe we could talk about was Carly. Do we want to dive Absolutely. into like her? I guess she had more of an arc, too, for a yeah. villain. Absolutely. I, I, I think it's, it's a, it's, it was an interesting tone that they took with her. And I, I, I think they, especially Sam's speech by the end, um, I, I'm I'm a little surprised, and maybe there was there's a bigger reason behind it, but or maybe it was just a, a simple reason: take her out, get it over with. That, like in the end, uh, she just in the wrong place in the wrong time, and Sharon ends up shooting her, and she's dead. Um, I thought that was a bit anticlimactic, but the whole the whole way that you it's gonna sound weird to say, but the whole way that you treat a terrorist. And the idea of what everyone is calling a terrorist was an interesting uh, character study or tact to take. Um, nobody condones certain actions or signs off on certain things that she did. But when you put her and Sam together, he knows that basically people are doing people do things for one of two main reasons let's say they're either just complete assholes and bordering on using the word evil um but in their own mind they still think they're righteous or they legitimately believe in the correctness and the justification of of what they're doing and they're not saying anything she's doing is okay, but in order to stop her effectively, Sam has to get to her emotionally. He has to understand her. They have to know each other enough. He can't just put her in a box. You know, he has to know she empathizes or he empathizes with her. He understands why she's doing what she's doing. She just can't do what she's doing to get what she wants. Um, and and there was not... still a moment, like even after all that, like the conversations, the, the quiet moments that her and Sam have when they actually just sit down and talk 
Mm-hmm. I was still curious if by the end of the show, if she would kind of drop her guard and more or less surrender. Like if Sam would break through and get to that point where he can talk her down. I really thought they were leading that way. I don't know if I thought they were leading that way and we'll never know because they used the opportunity to have John not be able to control himself again and he breaks up the moment and then leads to the death of his friend and it all spirals. Um, I don't know if I ever thought that they would go that route. I thought well, that maybe not like she, in the middle of the she, series, but by the end. Well, right, by the end, right. by the end, yes, yes. But um, I, I thought she would still have to be brought down by force. Okay. One way, whether it's lethal or not is is to be determined. But yeah, she in the end to. I hate to say it to tell a story where someone does the things that she's done, and then just comes around to understanding the error of her ways and seeing someone else's book. It's been done too many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it, and it's, it's just not, I don't, I don't want to say it's not satisfying. It's unrealistic. Um, but I also, and that, that, I think that's why I also thought that it was sort of an easier out for the storytelling for the character just to get killed. I think that worked double in the fact that it's the power broker covering her ass. Uh, correct. So Correct. not just like this is how we solve the problem of like what do we do with Carly? This was a means to an end for the power broker. Absolutely. Yeah, I I I was assuming she would have to be stopped by force in some way, but uh, not the way that it played out. And now that we're talking about it too, it led to like I talked about like just amazing shots in this show. And the other one that comes to mind now that we're talking about it is Sam carrying Carly's body. When you get him with the wings out, that basically just looks like the guard, like an angel bringing her down to earth. Like that was a fucking cool shot too. Uh, Mike, anything for Carly? Um, I mean, I I agree with everything you've said. Uh, for the most part, the the only thing for me with the whole flag smashers thing, um, I would have liked to have seen why they were fighting. You know, we get the, the, a lot of exposition about what's going on what we don't really see is the poverty is the reason they're doing this is what the hell are they actually experiencing that has destroyed their lives so much um you know what was their life like what was life like during the blip what did they have that they don't have now just to show us something that lets us understand their motives more and lets us understand. Like I get the idea like, Oh man, during the blip life was so great because everybody had space and food and everybody came together against a common enemy. I get that. I get the idea of it. You know what I mean? (laughs) But at the same time, show us and show us what happened since then instead of people are on communes and news stories in the background and stuff like that when it's going to be that close of a personal thing for a character that plays as big a role as carly plays i want to see it i want to see what spurred her to do this and i don't think they give her that they don't give her that spark you know because even if it's all that there's still a spark there's still some event that should cause it. Um, Even just kind of talking about this now and like how 
how good it sort of kind of sounded for the blip, like with everybody coming together and like you said, like having space and food and everything, which makes me think like Thanos was right. Like getting rid of half the population, the the universe would have thrived that way. To be clear, Thanos was never right. <laughs> um, it, it, Let me just clear this up real quick. If you cut the population of Earth in half, it would be repopulated back to where it is now again in what 50 years 60 years is what it's taken us to increase from three and a half billion to seven billion <laughs> i was thinking that probably even less so what would it really do other than just be mass murder delay Nothing. the inevitable it, we, exactly like it, it for 50 or 60 years like it's not something he was never right he would have to be, take 99 percent of the living beings in the universe and kill them <laughs> um, if he really wanted to have an impact that would cause lasting change. But you can't do that thematically or in the, you know, plot-wise, because then you have nobody left to fight. And if oh, yeah. they weren't good enough together the first time, they're definitely not going to be good enough with 99% of them gone. So, right. but having said that, yes, they, they, they do play that aspect of Thanos was kind of right. And he had a point. Would life be better for a short time? After that, yes, life would be better for a short time after half the people went missing. There would be a lot of pain and horrible feelings and whatnot for people who lost people, of course, but things would get a little bit easier to provide for everybody on the planet for a short time, but it would only yeah. be for a short time. Um, but nonetheless, I want to see what she had and see what she lost. Like, like, yeah. That's what it gets that's me is like... Otherwise, I don't understand her motivations. I agree with her point. Even, like, as a viewer, I agreed with what she was trying to say. But I don't know why I agreed with Like, I agree with her on fundamental idea of it alone, but I didn't really care whether the character got what they wanted. Because I didn't understand them. Yeah. So It's a great critique. Something else that probably could have helped with just more time. You know, like Josh said, I, even two more episodes, I think, would be fine. But maybe it's just yeah. a pacing standpoint. Maybe they just, you know, need to keep the pacing up. I don't know. I'd take another half episode of them putting the boat back together. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a cheaper thing to film. Just, just you know, one oh, location hell. on the dock with the boat. Yeah. I'm sure they have enough of it filmed for a half of another episode. They just <laughs> didn't use all of it, you know. So I'm sure. Yeah, give us that there. cut on YouTube. Put that alongside the hour of Zemo dancing for 30 seconds and give us more boat boat building. Um, before we get into so again, sort of where I'm going to wrap up is like where to specifically where to like Sam and Bucky and stuff. Where are they going to go from here? Um, the only other thing I was going to touch on is sort of like surprises during the show, which is I think where Julie Louis Dreyfus's cameo pops in. Um, and seeing the Dora Milaje for me, well, that was a surprise. I did not expect the Wakanda tie-in. For this no. show. I but, also loved all the ass that they kicked. Yes. I, yes. The, the Wakanda tie-in makes so much sense to get Sam a vibranium suit. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah. It, it, it works perfectly because he needs it. He's not a yes. super soldier. He's not a superhuman. He needs a vibranium suit. And now he's got something that makes him not just a guy. Yeah. And Tony's not around, so who might or may not be making shit for Stark anymore. Exactly. And the wings with the shield is such a... Like, it's a different fighting style for him, and one that I really love to see what they did with it in that final episode and how it all works together. And 
he's more agile with the wings and everything like that. Like I was really hoping they'd still give him the wings because I wasn't sure when they broke if they would just give him the shield and say, okay, you're Captain America now. It's like, no, 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 he, he needs the wings. The wings are what set him apart from everybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward, like something that I don't think they got into a whole lot of at the end there is what Red Wing is capable of now that the Wakandans have made it and see if it has any new tricks up its sleeve. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah like they showed it through a couple things, but it. nothing unexpected. Well, at least it's not going to get drop kicked anymore. Can't break vibranium. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I- I'm... I'm with you 100%. The the wings and shield combat was amazing, and I can't wait to see more of it. Yeah. Like, it's just awesome. Um, Do we want to talk about Julia Louise, Julia Louise Dreyfus? I don't, yes. I don't know too much about her character. She was playing oh. um Val. That was the, the what was her name? Her full name. Val uh, Contessa Valentina. de Fontaine. Yeah. Which, again, I don't know too much about her. I tried to look her up a little bit. Um, that- I think... If you're unaware, um, potentially major spoilers, but it, I mean, it's just who the character is. Um, because she's Madame Hydra. See, I saw that as one of like three possible things for her. Well, I'm saying like Madame Hydra, like is I believe more than one person has been Madame Hydra, but she is one of them. And it would make complete sense for her to be infiltrating the government. Um, but who knows? You know, like, because, like you said, she's not just Madame Hydra. She does other stuff, too. Yeah, this is, from what I read, she was, she, she basically played, like, three different roles. I guess she's, she's referred to as the Countess. Yes. Um, but she's like a super spy. So she worked for some sort of organization called the Leviathan, which I don't know anything about either. Um, she worked for S.H.I.E.L.D., which apparently between those two roles, she was like basically double agenting both sides and became romantically involved with Nick Fury at one point when she worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and then like triple agented and went under as Madame Hydra, which is where the Madame Hydra stuff comes from. I'm trying to remember. She was like, um, Contessa was in the uh, Hasselhoff Fury movie. Okay, yeah, because the the pictures I saw of her romantically involved with Nick Fury is the white Nick Fury. So it wasn't even like the the ultimate version, like the Sam Jackson Nick Fury was the old school Nick Fury. I was just trying to remember who played her in that. It's been like I watched that thing like one time, barely paying attention to it because it's so bad. But well, it is on the Wheel of Fate. I yeah, which I, we yeah we we, we figured out it's on YouTube, right? You can watch the whole thing on YouTube. Oh really? Isn't it's that a, where we found it? I thought we made sure we, could, we had access to it. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, like I feel like it's too easy to have her be Madame Hydra right away. But that's a future reveal for them, locked and loaded. Well, what about the Leviathan? What? Do you know anything about that group? Because I didn't go no. down that rabbit hole. I, I don't. I think it's an older thing. Um, Like, back, like, you know, 60s era Marvel kind of thing, yeah. if I recall. Like, is they, like what they would have been around for. And of those comics, I've read some Avengers. I've read all the X-Men, but she doesn't play into that at all. 
some yeah. Spider-Man and stuff, but nothing that she's really a part of because she's really just kind of a Nick Fury comics character at that time, isn't she? I, I don't know for sure, but as far as I know, she's mostly just a Nick Fury comics character. Yeah, I don't know what uh, comics. I guess I didn't see what comics she's showed up in. Um, I know off the worst comes to worst. Like after after we post the episode, I can this little resource that I found for for uh Val, I'll just link under the episode because it's a it's a Marvel website. It basically gives you like a, a some page summary of her where she's what she's done, what she's been in, in and out of. I don't. I'm trying to scroll through now if it lists like actual comic issues that she's been in. I mean, none of the like for me, if like she never had become Madame Hydra, I would know nothing about the character. I mean, there, yeah, there's definitely a screenshot of her in the Madame Hydra costume, but they seem to be saying that's part of uh, some like her undercover basically. So I don't know how much she leaned into the Madame Hydra role. It would be interesting to see. Maybe she like I. It'll be fun, whatever they're going to do with it, because it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus, for one, who probably will kill it, no matter what they give her. She plays an asshole very well, and she also plays evil pretty good, too. Yeah. So I'm very interested to see what they have her do. Um, Even if, since, you know, I know you want to lean toward future of characters, um, even if that's heading up the Thunderbolts, which is... I've heard that tossed around, too. A possibility at this point since uh what's his name has been signed on uh for future movies um william hurt uh, oh so, so we're thinking red hulk type of thing yeah thunderbolt so Ross. who's all who's all into the thunderbolts oh that, God, that's a, is that a villain team that's a villain team right it's a bit yes it's not like suicide squad where they're still bad um it, when they originate, they are. So the origin of the Thunderbolts was during the Civil War era. Um, and the government took several supervillains um, and used them to round up superheroes. And they titled them the Thunderbolts. So it was Venom, uh, Green Goblin, Penance, uh, Songbird... Um, you know, like Marvel Ultimate Alliance, they had a few of them as playable characters. Right, right. Um, what well, Jack O'Lantern, I think, was one of them. Isn't that the one the Punisher just murders <laughs> in the sewers? Um, oh, I don't remember. It, it, there's one of them that's in the Thunderbolts that did like Punisher just absolutely murders in the sewers, and Steve kicks him out of like their meeting <laughs> during the Civil War stuff because he's like, "You just murdered that guy." <laughs> Um, it, but there's been so many members of the Thunderbolts. I guess the most popular members of it recently were Red Hulk and U.S. Agent and a few others. Um, again, for spoiler purposes, maybe better to aside that, but maybe not. But it, it's something where lots of villains that are maybe on the aside of villainy or on the anti-hero side of things or the vigilante side of things sometimes end up there. When they first started out, I believe they were all bad. Yeah, I'm looking at a list now. It says uh, 
pro this is dealing with the Civil War side of things. Pro-registration side ended up losing more members than it anticipated, causing the 50-state initiative plan to put in action faster than planned. The CSA, with the help of Songboard, gathered Bullseye, Lady Deathstrike, Jack-O-Lantern, Jester, Taskmaster, and Venom to capture the Secret Avengers. So that is the Thunderbolts team yeah. that I think we were talking about. Okay, so Taskmaster and Lady Deathstrike. Yeah, there's a lot of... Really cool villains in there. And then later on, Norman Osborn is placed in a leadership role for the Thunderbolts. Okay. So, yeah. It's a villain organization that was used originally that way. But, it, it like, I believe, like, current day, they're more hero in their actions than they were that, originally. I, I feel like I get this team mixed up with like the Dark Avengers because weren't the Dark Avengers kind of like villains that were dressed as heroes that sort of did the same thing? I thought the Dark Avengers was like Moon Knight and Blade and uh, like characters like that that were like I thought I thought that's what they were, but it's been a long time since I even thought about the Dark Avengers. So. Yeah, now I'm like double checking my because I thought Dark Avengers was more like when Norman Osborn was in charge of Shield. And everything was topsy-turvy, and they needed, like, an Avengers-style team. And he recruited the villains. Peop the people Norman Osborn would recruit. Right. So the, I think a lot of the Thunderbolts came into that team, but, like, Bullseye was dressed up like Hawkeye. And oh, they had, okay, right. Like, Wolverine's son mm -hmm. as dressed up in the black and... Dakin. Or yeah. The, yeah, as the brown and gold suit. But it I wasn't Wolverine, but it looked like Wolverine. And now, I, Yeah, now I'm remembering it. You're right. That's what that was. And I don't think Norman Osborn was head of S.H.I.E.L.D. at that time. I think he was the president. May okay, maybe. But he was the he, one in the Iron, Iron Patriot, Patriot costume. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was, um, was that Siege? Was that the name of that storyline? I think that was Siege. Possibly. That sounds right. So, yeah, now we're just diving down like a comic book <laughs> rabbit hole. Nonetheless, Josh the is like, okay, I'm, I'm over it. What, the Thunderbolts <laughs> are possible. No, it's fun. We we I don't think we've really had an opportunity to do this in a in a while. Like the storylines haven't opened up in this way to kind of do that. So it's it's fun. It feels nostalgic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a long time, it you know the MCU has been pointed down the barrel of Thanos. You know, yeah, and true. Getting to the Infinity Gauntlet and what's going to happen, and now we have possibilities well of these i mean either one of these teams thunderbolts or dark avengers it's like i feel like we need a little bit more of a villain roster to fill out like you start to wonder like who they would bring into this whether it's like you could you couldn't introduce a bunch of villains and then suddenly just put them in a team i think it'd be more fun if it's villains we've seen before but like we know what like abomination's still probably on the table zemo's on the table uh, i don't think zemo's a zemo's not a villain team guy though i don't think i don't think I feel like Zemo's his own thing. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, I'm just I'm just trying to think of like who's not dead that they may or may not call back to at some point. <laughs> I don't know they they had a a pretty long track record of killing their villains. Right. I mean, I'd love like I said before we talked about Sam Rockwell coming back and having him play some part on the team. Um, I'd even love to see Trevor Slattery come back and just hang out at the house all the time <laughs> and be like, oh yeah, when we need to record something, I'll, I'll, I'll do the Mandarin thing again. The public yeah. doesn't know who I really was. They'll think the real Mandarin's back again. 
Or he, or but he can take on a new persona now. He's an actor. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Maybe he can make them think he really was the Mandarin because how many of them would know that he wasn't? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could have sworn part of his shtick was like they gave him plastic surgery to look like that, right? So couldn't they yeah. just plastic surgery his face again to make him look like somebody else? Yeah. Uh, I so once strung out Ben Kingsley back. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess if it's a, if you make him look like someone else, it could be a different actor. Yeah, that's not as fun. Yeah, I, I, right. I, want, I want that back. But Fair point. I, I think I, I like what you're saying. Like, and you have somebody like Ross for the Red Hulk who's there, and you just have to do a thing with him, and he becomes Red Hulk. Yeah. And I mean that. <laughs> It presents a problem in and of itself with how strong they've positioned the Hulk as that they, if he's truly evil in doing this stuff, they they, they got to have that aspect that makes him controllable in some way. Um, but yeah, they, they, they have that there. You have, obviously, U.S. agent, you have that. I I'll be interested to see if they go that route. Because there's a lot of fun to be had there. Yeah, yeah. Either way, I think I think you're right. I think Val's gonna lead some sort of team, and agent U.S. agents probably gonna be at the forefront. He's gonna be the de facto leader of whatever they're trying to do. So now it's just a matter of time of like when this shows up again and where they where they go from here. Yeah. Um. So that's sort of gonna segue to to the final sort of point I was gonna bring up is like so where where do we go from here? Where are these characters gonna go? What's next for Captain America? So. If you've paid attention to the internet, there's probably all kinds of shit flying around recently that, like, Captain America 4 is happening, and that we are getting more Captain America movies, or, or at least other appearances in the MCU by with Chris Evans coming back as Steve Rogers. So, I tried to look into that a little bit more, and to the point, not to bury the lead, but uh, nothing is confirmed. I see nothing official one way or the other for any of this shit. So... The rumor right now is that series showrunner for Falcon and Winter Soldier, Malcolm Spellman, is said to be working on Captain America 4 with Dalen Musan, who also wrote for Falcon and Winter Soldier. So presumably, again, these are all this is all rumors and speculation, but people are saying whatever he is working on must be Captain America 4, and it probably involves Anthony Mackie as the lead. Uh, Entertainment Weekly reported two days ago that Mackie knew nothing about this. Found out about the news from a grocery store clerk. So I'd say that's very <laughs> not confirmed there. Uh, I mean, the that's rumors, the kind of response he'd have anyways, though. He wouldn't tr- be allowed to If he's under anything. an NDA, fine. Yeah, I get it. But I also get the way news works in this world. And, you know, for, whether or not it's true or not, I could see him finding out on the internet before Marvel actually calls him and says, hey, this is what we're doing. True. And for all we know, like, nothing's happening. Maybe this Malcolm Spellman is just pitching an idea. For Captain America 4. Like, the movie's maybe not being made yet. They're just seeing where they could go before they start signing everybody up and scheduling everything. So that's could be a thing, too. I mean, they didn't as just far, do all this for nothing, though. Yeah. Well, you know, I the logical point for me is that I would think we'd get season two. I agree. I think I would much prefer that because I like giving these characters time to breathe. But I also like to see what they do in a movie... I just I I don't know personally if we we are there yet, but right now the rumor is saying Captain America Four is happening with Malcolm Spellman. Um, now the rumors for Chris Evans, all of these are hitting now with talk of Captain America Four, but these happened these rumors started in January fourteenth, so these are fucking four months old, <laughs> is where this originated from. Um, 
Deadline reported as an exclusive uh, that, quote-unquote, he'd return as Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, which is, I think, how they work around putting Chris Evans returns as Captain America in their headline because Steve Rogers is Captain America. He might not be Captain America in the movie. He might show up as Steve Rogers, but Captain America makes headlines, so that's how they title all the shit. Sure. Um, and it's, it's said that... The, even the article says it's not going to be his own movie. He might be showing up in a Robert Downey Jr. type supporting role or cameo in something. And they're saying at least one, maybe two movies. Now, the date this was posted, months before Falcon and Winter Soldier premiered, the article was already debunked by Chris Evans himself, who the same day just simply tweeted, it's news to me, referencing his return to the MCU. And then in March, Kevin Feige was asked about Evans' return to the MCU and basically said that he normally never says no to these types of rumors when asked. But he also added it was seemed pretty likely that the, it was definitive from the man himself referencing Evans' tweet that it's not happening. So I don't know why this article seems to be gaining traction now. Like just because maybe Captain America is in the, the zeitgeist after Sam that suddenly they want to bring back to, you know, no one's, I don't know. there seem to be referencing the same article that I feel like has already been debunked. So it's pissing me off that it's making the rounds again when there's nothing new here. So at the time of this recording, I can't find any concrete evidence that says what's next. I'd say it's anybody's guess. So as far as we want to just speculate, what do you think is more likely? Do you think we'll be getting a season two or do you think we'll see these characters in a movie next? Next? I think you're getting both personally. I think you'll get season two, and I think you'll get a movie. Uh, will they be the headliners of the movie, or will it be a team-up movie of some kind? I don't know. Um, but I think you're going to get both, for sure. I This is going to sound PC, but I think it's the truth. I don't, I, I don't think Disney puts a black man in the Captain America outfit in a film where he, where it is not a Captain America movie. So that be and not, and not to say that you're insinuating otherwise, but if it's if it's in a movie as part of something else, yes, I think it's either Captain America 4 and not necessarily like Sam as Captain America with others. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Right, like like it is his, it it could still be a civil war-esque type of thing where it's a quasi ensemble but civil war was still supposed to centrally be a captain america story right right right. so you you might still if if it goes to film it would i but i would venture a guess that would yes have to be sam centric storyline but i also agree with mike that it i i don't see why you couldn't make another season of this maybe not immediately it might be like three or four years down the road, but perhaps. I, but the, I, well, I was just going to say, this is like the, the interwoven nature of the MCU is like, they leave these things dangling there. We know there's plot threads that they haven't tied up on purpose, but now that they have series on Disney Plus and not just movies, before we could just assume, oh, it's coming in a movie later. Yeah. Now it's really hard to judge where the hell these are going to happen. And they've already announced so many other shows coming to Disney Plus that I don't, like, just production wise, like I don't, I'm not even involved in this stuff and it's a headache trying to figure out when they're scheduling to shoot things and who's available for what and what the timeline is for these things to get made and where they're going to get released. Like I, I have no fucking idea. And it it's, 
slight, you know, it's it's difficult to track, but at the same time, I kind of like it because I'd rather just be surprised. Like, just throw something my way and say, hey, this is happening in a month. Like, I'll, yes, give me that. I don't care what it is. I'm going to watch it. Um, But, yeah, to Josh's point, I think if they do Captain America 4, it's going to be a Sam-centric movie. It's going to be called Captain America. They were very clear at the end of the show that the title change from Falcon to Captain America is the mantle that he's getting. This is where they're going with the character next. To be fair um, to myself, the question was, when do we see them next? And I don't know that the next appearance that we'll see for Captain America and Bucky will be in their own movie. I think if they get okay. if they get a Captain America 4, yes, it'll be focused on him. Yeah. But I think we could see a team-up movie before them. We know a lot of the schedule coming up, and it feels like we know all of Phase 4 at this point. So if we know that schedule, where do you think they they pop up? I think maybe Secret Invasion. Um, Okay. You know, maybe not in another movie, but in another series that's going to presumably be some big team-up series because it's one of the biggest events Marvel's put on in the last however many years. So I would assume it's going to be a big deal kind of series as opposed to maybe this is like their Avengers movie. This is the Avengers series. See, I'm already excited for that show, but if that happens, that's going to make me even more excited that it's going to be this culmination of other series coming together again. I, that, that's what I could see happening. I don't know that for sure, obviously. That's just my speculation. But I think that's when you'll see the characters again. But then again, we do have a Miss Marvel, a Kamala Khan series coming. I could very easily see them turning up there for a cameo. You know what I mean? Just not a big appearance, but a cameo appearance. Yeah, I could definitely see that because she's like, if you don't know the story of Kamala Khan listeners, I know Brian does. I don't know if Josh does, but she's very much like a fangirl for the Avengers prior to obtaining her own powers. So I could definitely see there being some thing where she interacts with them or looks at, you know, something, something that happens with her in the Avengers. Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to, like, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, like, what production-wise takes less time? And I would think the show was probably quicker to turn around than a movie. But if they are actually tasking the showrunner of this show to write a movie, I would think they'd be in production with that before they come back to, you know, put him in charge of season two. Do we know that he's writing a movie, or is it that we know he's writing something? Well, yeah, well, again, if you believe the rumors, he's working on Captain America 4. Okay. And it's him and uh, a writer from the show. And, again, because because the information's spotty, it's hard to tell if it is, if it is in fact, like, season two or if it's a movie. All, okay. the, every, all the rumors are pointing to movie. Okay. And I hate speculating on rumors because, you know, we say this now, like, oh, this, is, this may or may not be happening, and then three months from now... It, finds out it's it's all bullshit and nothing's happening. So that's why I hate jumping the gun for this crap until there's something confirmed. But just from a speculation standpoint, I almost feel like Captain America 4, I think, is the logical place to go from here. Let's Presumably, yes, this Disney Plus series is getting a lot of press. People are watching. It's getting numbers. But movies still reach a larger audience. And I think putting Sam in the Captain America suit and making a movie out of it 
is going to hit a bigger audience than what the show does. And I think we're at the point where we could actually do that and be successful with it. And I, th- I feel like that would be next. My opinion. Sure. I know that's probably well thought out, especially, and I, Mike, you might have mentioned it toward the beginning of the discussion, that the the way this show ends with the speech that Sam delivered, not parlaying that kind of mood out into a feature film where you, you've shown that he's interacting with storylines like Isaiah and and you know the these other types of things you could absolutely capitalize on that and i could absolutely see a a black man becoming captain america being a bit of a, like a, a catalyst for what i said with miss marvel because kamala khan you know she uh, one of the things she experiences herself is the racism that she dealt with she was a character that came up like uh, they created this character shortly after 911 and she was dealing with that as a child, all these things going on, and all these people being very wrong to her as a child. And I could very much see that speech he gives being on the television with her staring at it and being a catalyst for her fangirling or inspiring her in some way. And I think that would be awesome to see that happen. Yeah. I think one of my last thoughts uh, on on that scene again would be that is it was good dialogue or monologue rather but for the most part mm-hmm. but it's awkward dialogue like it's almost so just direct and honest that I could see that being difficult for an actor to deliver. Um, but see, I, he, I don't. I feel like Anthony it. Mackie nailed it because it's easy to deliver something that's easy to believe in at the same time as you're saying it as a character that believes in it. Right. It's just because it's one of those things that like you wish you you wish someone said that in the real world, but no one would say that in the real world. So as a real person, as an actor, that's being your job to have to deliver that in a believable way that evokes the result that it did is an accomplishment i agree the real world sucks that's why (laughs) movies are better yes exactly um final thoughts for the series should we uh, i i feel bad even asking the question because i don't know if it's going to be like you know picking a favorite child but uh, between wandavision and this series did you have a favorite between the two i I preferred this Oh, okay. Um, um, I, 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 I saw pros and cons to both, and I think for, for me it's apples and oranges because they, they were too close. Like, If we get like four, five, six Disney Plus series down the road, I, I might be able to pick out a preference or two, ones that I think are stronger, et cetera, but not for me. Yeah, I mean, these series are not going to stop. They're going to keep coming, so we can always revisit this question somewhere down the line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, like for me, the differences between the two where I enjoyed this more is this was, I don't know, I, I felt like a more direct and bit of clear things that are going on, whereas WandaVision, I still just have a million questions. Yeah. So I could see maybe in the future WandaVision becoming something I appreciate more once I understand more of what the hell just happened. 
in Wanda because I still don't. I still don't know everything that's gonna come out of that, and I feel like it's going to be a spider web of shit that's gonna <laughs> be like, oh god, and now it all makes sense. Yeah, it it might you know take over that spot and be more endearing to me at the time. I loved both series. Don't get me wrong. But at this moment, which one would I be more likely to rewatch is what I always ask myself when I decide which one I like better, and I'm much more likely to rewatch this series. Yeah, I think uh, I think I might actually have to agree. I, th- I again, I sort of what you said, Mike. I like it's hard to pick. Like I love them both. That like a lot, a lot of them for different reasons. Like the 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 mystery around WandaVision and just the what the fuck of it all was such a fun speculative thing for those weeks. But by the end of it, after all the speculation we had, just still feel like I came out of it underwhelmed, just based on our my own fucking fault because of what the series did to me and speculative and the internet and all that stuff. Um, I still ended up in that same place. But this one was just such a good watch all the way through. And you're right, I think this is the one I'd probably rewatch over WandaVision. So I think if I had to pick one, I would think I would pick Falcon and Winter Soldier over WandaVision. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, WandaVision gets an easy win if we had the 90s Quicksilver montage, 90s song Quicksilver <laughs> thing going on. It, it probably would get an easy win, but we didn't get that. Give it a so couple of some like more songs. that's 10 demerits. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, anything else? Last call. All good? Said your piece? Okay. All right, well, that's where we're going to end this one. Um, I think... Hopefully the next episode we do will be for Mortal Kombat. We were giving some time to get some people up to speed for the movie, and then we will revisit and talk about that one. Uh, But for now, uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. Uh, You can follow or subscribe to keep up with the show. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. Hopefully anywhere you're listening, you can find us there. Uh, Look us up on Facebook, uh, Bry Guy Super Friends. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash Friends, and you can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions there. Shoot us an email, Friends at gmail.com. I actually checked that today. Still nothing new, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> hit us up on Twitter at BGSuperFriends. Uh, you can follow me on Twitch, Jedi Bry Guy. That's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Uh, if we ever decide to go live there for the show, we will do it there. Uh, if I ever decide to stream some gameplay stuff, I will do it there. Um, And that's about it. On behalf of Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.